Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Four-second difference, LeBron on the fly, got his own miss, and puts it up and in, LeBron James! to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where wins over wings, championship chance over lap dance, chips over strips, both chicken and strippers, Lakers over Clippers, we win 50 wins on the season, everybody. Basketball is back. Lakers basketball. AAA. I realized that that intro would have been funnier if Lou Will had actually been playing, but he is stuck in quarantine. But you know what? Whatever. Um, the Lakers beat the Clippers 103-101. Game one of this NBA reset in the Orlando bubble since quarantine happened about four months ago. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how does it feel to have Lakers basketball back and uh yeah like actually back it feels pretty damn good dude <laughs> the guys were playing super hard both teams were playing hard i wasn't both you teams know, played hard. this this yeah they both teams played hard um it, after the scrimmages it was kind of hard to tell where everyone's mindset was going to be for these regular season games i mean if you listen to the media and we complained about this last time we recorded but it feels like everyone is talking about this like it doesn't matter and, you know, they don't need to win the games. And, like, yeah, certainly they don't need to win the games, but they have eight games to get into, like, playoff-ready mindset and playoff mentality. And 
you know, very crisp execution on both ends. And I think tonight showed like why it's so important that they start doing that right away. Um, This was a playoff type game. It's, you know, not all eight games are going to be like this. I mean, frankly, the next game is pretty tough too. We played the Raptors, but you know, it it was nice to see them get off to a really good start. Um, The Clippers were undermanned, of course. And, you know, uh, if uh, Doc Rivers is going to be, I'm sure going to be reminding everyone about that. But they also, I mean, things even out, right? It's like they got good contribution from certain guys that they might necessarily, you know, wouldn't have. Um, so it, it it all evens out, and, and I thought it was a good effort overall and uh, a strong close. And really, that's all you can take away. If you want to take away anything, it's like forget about who was playing, who was not playing. Just think about, like, the last five minutes and how that prepares us for the playoffs. I think that's a, a great takeaway. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we were a little spoiled with how the scrimmage games went for the Lakers because they looked a lot more polished than we had expected. And then this game happens. And, you know, in spurts, the Lakers, I mean, it was a it was a game of runs. And in spurts, the Lakers looked good. In spurts, the Clippers looked good. But this one really felt more like a preseason game. It was very sloppy and messy. I, I mean, I, I think they were also just playing defense, though. That's very true as well. Uh, But Alan, how did you, before we get into the deep dive analysis, how did you just feel having Lakers basketball back? Did you go through your typical routine of planning your day in such a fashion to be like, here's Lakers basketball, here's what I'm going to eat, here's where I'm going to sit, this is how I'm going to, you know, just lounge around and get hyped for it? 100%. Um, I rescheduled things that I had earlier today um, because (laughs) I didn't realize the TNT postgame started at like 2 o'clock. So I had things going on up until like, 3.30 3.30 or 4, you know. And I was like, hold on. So I, like, rescheduled stuff, lied to a bunch of people, and uh, just made all that <laughs> stuff earlier. So, yeah, my entire day was dictated a bunch of uh, lies, by NBA. Like a yeah, no, I'm just a big like a liar. Lie. You, you guys know me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my day, dude. It was great. Okay, and your feeling about Lakers basketball being back, I guess, and just... Was, was it feelings. weird? Good feelings? You know, I had to keep catching myself and not get, like, too upset about things, to be honest. Um, Dropped a lot of F-bombs, just more today than I have probably in the last maybe three days. Um, And it was just, like, there's so much (laughs) angst, you know? And I'm like, okay, I have to remember this is supposed to be fun. So let me just take, like, (laughs) ten steps back and just enjoy the fact that um, there's meaningful, you know, basketball happening right now. And uh, let's just hope by the end of the game, like, things look a little bit better. And sure enough, right, they delivered. So, uh, yeah, it just overall felt good. It was very refreshing. Yeah, this is supposed to be fun. And it's just the first game out of eight seeding games that we're just supposed to use technically to get into a rhythm, get a rotation set, etc. But I guess when it's against the Clippers and pretty much against all of NBA Twitter... Uh, basketball Twitter, it becomes a little bit more personal to us and us having to hear this narrative the entire year about just how amazing the Clippers are. And we'll get into all of this um, in just a second. But um, as usual, before we get started, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Uh, At Lakers Legacy Pod is also our Instagram handle. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can search Lakers Legacy. I believe we have 172 subscribers now. So once Alan hopped on board, it was just like a waterfall from there. Alan, you're subscribed, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. It's all started with you. <laughs> After like a week and a half, I did. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, and also patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast. If you'd like to support us financially in any small way, with that being said, Lakers 103, 101, they are officially 50 and 14. Yeah. 50 and 14. And 24 and eight at home, baby. (laughs) Um, let's, I don't know. How do you, how do we want to start this? I guess we can talk generally about what we thought about the game. I can go ahead and start. I thought the Lakers played great defense overall, and they were switching a lot of things. They rotated pretty well. Obviously, we're going to get into Kyle Kuzma's defensive performance, which was just like, I don't know, a sight to behold. And LeBron James stepped up as well a couple times, uh, taking Kawhi Leonard on, taking Kawhi head on in some particular defensive matchups, which were which was pretty spectacular on LeBron's end. Um, But I thought the Lakers played solidly defensively, especially at the beginning when they uh, went out to like a 12-point lead after the first quarter. Really, it's offensively where the Lakers stumbled and got sloppy, and I had some issues with the rotation staggering that Frank Vogel did, mainly that Deion Waiters seemed to be on the court a lot when LeBron James was on the court, and I felt like he should have staggered them more. He did it in the third quarter, and it worked out really well, but then he immediately went away from that again, where he benched LeBron James, put in that Anthony Davis lineup, and he also benched Deion Waiters along with that. So I was just a little bit confused with the utilization of Deion Waiters because his primary purpose for me was to fill in the gaps for LeBron James' primary ball handling. And you saw that when LeBron James wasn't in there or Deion Waiters wasn't in there, we'd have these strange possessions where Danny Green would be trying to run a pick and roll with Anthony Davis and he'd get a turnover. Or Danny right. Green would be dribbling too much in general and trying to create something on his own. And I'm like, wait, why is Alex Caruso the only ball handler out here with Anthony Davis right now. So there were a couple rotational things that I'm sure Frank Vogel is still sort of, you know, uh, trying to shore up, but it was just confusing to me that it felt, I mean, I guess I shouldn't expect this, but it felt different from scrimmage when we were utilizing Deion Waiters a lot more and, and staggered him a lot more without, um, LeBron James. But, uh, yeah, Tommy, what are your general thoughts on the game? And I guess things that stood out to you. Yeah, kind of on on your point, on that specific point, I guess I'll respond to that first. I think what they're trying to do, and, you know, they certainly need to clean up the rotations um, around this, but I think, you know, LeBron starts the game with that KCP lineup, and LeBron is very clearly the only real ball handler. Um, he that It's just him as primary initiator for, like, the first six minutes of the game he plays point guard, essentially. I think when he goes to the bench and then comes back for his second shift, they like to give him a look. And I think this is why he overlapped with waiters. I think they're they're trying to find him looks where he has a secondary ball handler on the court at the same time. I mean, those were the same minutes that Rondo would get at times to start the second quarters with LeBron. And I think they do that so that he doesn't have to you know, keep playmaking. He can like get going downhill and, you know, try to get in fast in transition, try to fill the wings, try to, you know, cut off the ball, try to play in the post, uh, you know, just do things off the ball more because he's so good at that kind of stuff too. So, I mean, I think that is part of what they're trying to figure out with waiters and how that fits there. Um, my biggest issue with the rotation tonight and, 
you know, this is something that's going to be, have to have to be cleaned up a lot is the utilization of Danny green. Um, Danny Green has statistically had some really good games against Paul George as a defender. Uh, I think he showed it in flashes, but I think you're totally right. Like, I don't know what kinds of positions we were putting him in for, but for somebody who handles the ball as little as Danny Green does, he had four turnovers. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's insane. He had as many turnovers as like AD and LeBron did. LeBron had five, but you know, it's like, how did, how does that happen? Um, he was a minus 17. He did have a <laughs> couple good... Yeah, I know. He was by far the biggest minus on our team. Um, he did have a couple good... You know, he hit a couple corner threes at, like, good moments. Um, and that's going to be important for us in big games in the playoffs. But he played 25 minutes. We have so much guard depth on this team. When it wasn't working defensively, I would have liked to see them, like give anybody else a look, like maybe mm-hmm. give, if you, if you're, if you're worried about losing some defense, maybe even give J.R. Smith a look. Um, I kind of liked what they did when KCP's size was becoming a factor at the end and they took out KCP and put in Kuzma to close the game. I mean, that was huge, right? Like mm-hmm. that's such a big development for our team. And I actually, I texted you during the game. Like, it's crazy that you actually want Kuz to switch now because more often than not, it it leads to, you know, you want him defending the ball. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, he shut down Reggie Jackson so many times. So yeah, all these things were really positive things I took away. Um, I think, you know, some of the stuff you talked about, they're going to clean up, including these rotation issues. And, but overall it, it was, it was, uh, it was fun to, to watch this stuff again. Yeah, Kuzma made Reggie Jackson look like Tyler Ennis. I was trying to think of a really bad point guard. No no shade on Tyler Ennis, and Tyler Ennis is the first name that um, came to mind. Um, that's what you meant by Reggie Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, uh, what about you? Uh, the Lakers only shot 39%, but they also held the Clippers to 43%. Uh, their three-point shooting remained abysmal. I don't know what we would have done without Kyle Kuzma's four of seven from three because the Lakers yeah. shot 11 of 36 uh kcp disappointed in that area tonight i mean danny green okay he was two for six right but i think he hit his first three of the night which means from then on he was one of five um and obviously lebron was pressing i think the free throw thing while i am frustrated with the fact that Kawhi just gets all these crazy calls i think was leveled out by the fact that anthony davis got like 17 free throws and lebron james obviously didn't get to the line he only went to the line once. Paul George, on the other end, only went to the line twice. So I guess everything sort of evens out, regardless of my frustrations with Kawhi getting too many calls and LeBron not getting any calls. But um, I thought the fouling at the beginning, the whistles at the beginning, sort of set the stage for the entire game and sort of made the rest of the game very clunky and very inconsistent with the way they were calling it. Um, but yeah, what are some things that stood out to you in general? Yeah, there, to me, there just wasn't much flow until maybe nine minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, even the start of the second half was really, really choppy and somewhat difficult to watch all around. Um, the sentiment that they will miss their shots kept kind of running through my ears. Um, I felt like we got some pretty decent looks in the first half. Just couldn't knock them down. So, uh, I mean, that's to be expected in like the first, you know, quote unquote, real game. Um, but obviously Anthony Davis was extremely aggressive, which was great to see because he's had moments, um, I feel this season in big games where he may shy away a little bit Mm -hmm. and just wait for the offense to come to him as opposed to, um, you know, demanding the ball and things like that. So that was great to see him really step up, especially when LeBron 
um, you know, was deferring a little bit more. Um, what definitely wasn't looking to score tonight and wasn't aggressive until later on. So, um, yeah, him kind of taking up that leadership role was, was really encouraging. For sure. Um, okay, we're going to take our first break, and when we return, we will focus more on the individual players who helped the Lakers get this win. Hey guys, in case you missed our announcement at the top of the show, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports to give you guys a free $20 to play with. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20 and you'll get an instant $20 on top of that that you can play with on NBA games this season. So what are you waiting for? Double up on that $20, start playing some games, and maybe you'll come out with even more. It's Liddy on the Thrive Fantasy app. Oh, that's not their slogan. Prop up on the Thrive Fantasy app, but also it's Liddy. All right, we are back. And before we uh, turned it over to break, Alan was talking about Anthony Davis. I want to land on tonight's MVP. I, we would all agree that Anthony Davis is the MVP, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, Tommy. Marcus yes. Morris Sr. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of Marcus Morris, I just want to remind everyone, senior. all of all of the Lakers... <laughs> is it Marcus Morris Sr.? Yeah, don't disrespect his son like that, homie. <laughs> I do want to remind everyone that there were a fair contingent of Lakers fans during the trade deadline who were pissed off that Rob Palenka did not trade Cal Kuzma and change for Marcus Morris. And what did Marcus Morris do tonight, friends? He... Marcus Morris Sr. was a whopping 0 of 4 from the field with two turnovers, four fouls, and zero points. So there we go. Thank God we kept Kyle de Kuzman. Kyleen de Kuzman. Charlene de <laughs> Shout out to Charlene. Nobody is going to get that joke, but we used to be in band with a girl and friend named Charlene de Kuzman. <laughs> girl and a friend <laughs> all right anyways um <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk about anthony davis um he was dominant early on mainly because the lakers kept feeding him in the post and he he had that really nice reverse pivot spin move on Kim noah for the reverse layup uh he was feasting down low getting dunks uh, getting floaters. And then in the third quarter, it was more of him hitting his jump shot and hitting back-to-back threes, which was really awesome to see. Um, the biggest thing, though, is just him getting to the foul foul line and the Clippers being unable to really handle his size uh, in the paints and just really anywhere. Um, Tommy, what were your thoughts on Anthony Davis's performance tonight? He had 34 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, only shot 8 of 19, um, but he did get to the line 17 times. Uh, I think he had a very dominant first and third quarter into fourth that really helped us regain that lead and eventually like take it all the way home. Yeah, I like how aggressive AD is. I think sometimes it borders on the line of forcing it a little bit too much. I would like to see him and LeBron run the pick and roll and pick and pop a lot more. Um, we won yeah. this game, but it, this one felt a lot more to me like, you know, the first game or like the Christmas Day game where there were just mm-hmm. long stretches of time where LeBron and AD just went away from like the pick and roll. And when they do that, it's just so deadly. Um, it, and I guess maybe that's indicative of where the offense is, you know, kind of stands right now with everyone still rusty. But anyway, AD, I thought 
both ends was fantastic. I mean, we asked him to switch a lot onto Kawhi and Paul George. He like bit on a bad fake from like Beverly at some point that was kind of stupid, but that's really like the one bad defensive play that, that stands out. Everything else was great. Um, he hit threes. He looked comfortable shooting, you know, jump shots. He obviously went to the line a lot. I think, you know, most of those, if not all of them were deserved. I mean, he gets hammered a lot in there because I mean, the Clippers strategy, Paul George said it is basically crowd the paint and be very physical with LeBron and AD. And so that's going to, you know, lead to fouls and they have a bunch of random guys who used up fouls tonight. Um, so you know, overall strong game first uh, first game for AD. He he's got some uh, you know he's got to refine a little bit more. Um, the four turnovers I don't love, and again I think some of that was just forcing things on offense. But um, I was very impressed. It, it's crazy we have a guy like this um, because LeBron had objectively a bad game. I think this was his second lowest scoring game of the whole season or something like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, his previous low was like 13. So he had 16, 6 for 19, never got in a rhythm, didn't get any calls. And we still won the game because, you know, between Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, and AD, AD had the best game. And that's why we won. So uh, I want to land on LeBron James real quick and pivot. Um, are you concerned that LeBron James seems to struggle most of the time against the Clippers? I know he had a great, I wouldn't say great game the last time they played, but he did have 28 points, eight rebounds, nine assists the last game, but still only mm-hmm. shot seven of 17. Are you worried mm-hmm. that it's a bit of a trend that LeBron is just having a tough time being able to uh, do what he typically likes to do and just barrel into the paint because the Clippers keep it packed. And also they have two of the best perimeter wings uh, I, I think, in the league. I think the thing, look, Kawhi shot seven for 16 tonight, right? Like it just, when you're going up against tough defenses, that's not in and of itself, doesn't make it a bad game. I think two things hurt LeBron. One is he's like not getting any calls anymore for some reason. I know he initiates a lot of contact, but it feels like stars on other teams get these calls that LeBron doesn't get on the perimeter when he just gets like completely hammered. Um, I, I think the second issue though for LeBron is he kind of certain coaches have figured out. And I think pop or certainly Rick Carlisle was the first one to figure this out with Dallas when they beat Miami in the finals. But Certain coaches have figured out kind of how to confuse LeBron. LeBron is like a very, very smart basketball player, but because he's so smart, he knows people's tendencies and he knows kind of what everyone's going to do on both sides. He knows all the plays like, you know, like the back of his hand. He knows where to look for open guys. And the Clippers just kind of take that all away from him. You know, they like, they, they crowd the paint. Like you were saying, they, are daring him to pass to other guys to make the other guys beat him. And I think that takes him out of a rhythm early because LeBron's always going to make the right basketball play. So when he passes to wide open KCP, who's breaking it over and over and wide open Danny Green, who's breaking it over and over, like now so much time has passed and he hasn't had a chance to get himself into a rhythm. And then you end up with these situations where it's like the second quarter and he makes his first basket, you know? So I, I think that is part of what's happening in these Clippers games. I think He'll figure it out, particularly, you know, once he gets to look at the tape and once he gets to have more matchups with these guys. I really don't think Paul George is doing a ton to slow him down. I think Kawhi certainly does slow him down a bit, but not, you know, 6 for 19, I view as kind of an anomaly. He missed a bunch of layups. He, like, didn't get a bunch of calls on tippins and, you know, stuff around the rim. So I, I think he'll be fine. 
Yeah, and mostly I felt like he was extremely sloppy with his handle. His handle was very loose, and he got, a, I think, like almost back-to-back-to-back turnovers in that third quarter when he was really, really pressing it. Um, I liked what he did in the first quarter when he didn't score at all, and he was just diming it to people. He had a couple really nice looks to JaVale McGee in the paint, and he had a couple really nice passes to Kyle Kuzma, and he had a nice skip pass all the way to Danny Green on the baseline, I think in the third or fourth quarter for a three. Um, but there were that, those huge stretches, particularly in the second and in the third, where you could feel like he just wanted to you know, make a statement and say, I can score against these guys and try to take the whole Clippers team sort of one-on-one. And this is sort of reminiscent to what he did, I don't know, game one of this season last year, you know, um, where LeBron sort of gets caught up in these moments where he just wants to prove a point and say, I can score against this team. And I don't know if he was more propelled to do that when his first bucket came in that uh, very ferocious running back, you know, sort of dunk that he had, that, that tomahawk dunk in the paint against like four of the Clippers defenders. Um, but after that bucket, he was really pressing, trying to shoot a bunch of threes, step back jump shots when he couldn't penetrate. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what he did in the first quarter. I don't think he'll be as sloppy with the ball as he was tonight, obviously, and hopefully his teammates will be making more of their shots to help him out. I think Dion Waiters helped him out a little in the third and fourth quarter, just relieving that pressure off of him and being another guy who can penetrate and just actually hit shots, hit his layups and everything like that. Um, But Alan, what did you see from LeBron James, who was 6 of 19, uh, did have 7 assists and 11 rebounds, though? Well, his defense down the stretch for sure. Uh, I think we were all freaking hyped up about that. And especially if you look back at what feels like last season and how he would handle his defensive assignments against the Clippers, except for the last one where we won, uh, a lot of times he wasn't guarding Kawhi, you know. And then uh, right before the the hiatus, he did take him on. And as Laker fans, we're all hyped up. It's like, oh, finally, like we're getting that matchup that we've been wanting. And then, uh, you know, today he did the exact same thing, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, Just super active, you know, really sliding his feet and and, and playing like really uh, fundamental defense, you know, like not cheating, not doing things like that. So uh, you, you could definitely feel that energy from him and the impact that it had on the rest of the team. And of course, everyone's going to talk about how he was guarding Kawhi on the last possession and then switched and then stopped Paul George, right. From hitting the game winning shot. Um, So yeah, my biggest takeaway for him in a positive sense was his defensive energy and effort and how contagious, you know, it was for the rest of the team. Yeah. And how could we forget? He had the game winning shot, essentially, when he did that double clutch, which he felt like he should have gotten fouled, uh, got his own rebound and put it back up. Um, Paul George was wondering why he didn't get the foul on his end. But when I look at both plays, it's like LeBron didn't get it on his end. You're not going to get it either. I'm going to call that. Come on. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Mixed bag from LeBron James. But the biggest positive was him just stepping up defensively to really try and shut down Kawhi. I did want to bring up Kawhi Leonard. I I was talking to you and Tommy in our Facebook message thread just about how I hate how this guy, and it's it's kind of different from James Harden. It is another version of flopping. I called it sophisticated flopping (laughs) just because I feel like Kawhi Leonard, like you can tell when Harden is about to flop. With Kawhi, it's a little more spastic and comes out of nowhere because most of his movement most of his movements are always very refined. So then when he actually gets stopped, it's almost like he's surprised that, oh my God, I got stopped. 
And then he just spazzes out of nowhere in the air or he, like, loses, loses his balance. He just loses his balance and they don't want to call it travel. Like they, I think in the first quarter they called like one travel on him maybe. You know, yeah. he only had three turnovers in the game. But he does that all the time and it's like they don't want to call it travel so they just call it foul. And there's like, it's such BS. And Kuzma had an amazing stop on him in that fourth quarter where he impeded his drive in the paint. And Kawhi was like, whoops, I didn't expect Kuzma to do that. And he yeah. just slipped. And they didn't call the travel. And I that think was it resulted, a travel, dude. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah it was. and it resulted right. in a jump shot or a three-point shot. Paul George Clippers. hit a three on that play, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was it so was ridiculous. It was such BS. Yeah. And so I just hate seeing Kawhi Leonard malfunction like that out of nowhere. And the, the refs robot, just dude. like... Exactly, <laughs> the refs just... People. They just give him the benefit of the doubt, and they're like, oh, that... (laughs) People, people. It's such a rarity to see Kawhi Leonard malfunction like that, that I feel like the refs just sort of buy into it and are like, foul, right? So I kind of hate that he gets the benefit of the doubt in that sense, and LeBron James just has to literally beg for these sorts of fouls. But again, maybe it all shakes out evenly because Anthony Davis went to the line 17 or like he had 17 free throws. Although I will say there are a lot of times when Anthony Davis doesn't get get calls either. So for Mm -hmm. me tonight, that was like, oh, he actually got the calls he was supposed to get on a nightly basis. So um, it's that home court advantage. That's why he got all the calls. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) By the way, did you guys see uh, Chris? I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Bosh in the fan seating, the the virtual fan seating. Oh, I did. Yeah. Was that oh, actually shoot. him, or were they just no? Joking? I, I don't, no, I think that was actually him. I don't I mean, think it, it was like Photoshop or anything. A lot like that, him, was, yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. He was in, he was part of the uh, the virtual fan seating, so that was that was pretty. Cool. How do you get? How do you do that? And also, is it live? It's not live, right? It's just pre-recorded. It's got to be pre-recorded, like a GIF <laughs> or something, just looping. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so funny if it was live, though, dude. That'd be People's so scary. internet streams so would risky. be very <laughs> laggy and stuff. So people they people could like, do some pretty like bad things. TNT, if it's live, dude. <laughs> That's so That's true. true. <laughs> well, they could they could have each of them on like a. I guess it would be too many to monitor. So they could much, put them dude. on a delay, I think. But but it would create thought new it would jobs. Be cool. That's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just send a bunch of super low budget crews to a bunch of random people's like houses and record like watch parties. I guess you're not supposed to be congregating though. Never mind. <laughs> you just be like this. <laughs> yeah. I bet they tell them to just film about like 15 seconds of them doing celebrations, and then they'll just loop that. Mine yeah. would just be like ultimate double dabbing. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Dude, you should totally do it. Uh, they wouldn't accept me. Uh, but with that said, we'll take it to break one last time. And when we return, we'll close things out and talk about some of the other unheralded but very integral uh, contributors to this Lakers win. All right, we are back. And uh, let's talk about Kyle DeKuzman. Charlene. Mm, Kuzmania, Kuzmaniacs. Um, dude, I cannot... Kuzmama. <laughs> I cannot say enough about Kuzma tonight. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block. Had the second highest plus-minus on the team behind Dion Waiters with a plus 12. Was 4 of 7 from 3. But that doesn't even tell the whole story with him because where he really shined, I felt like, was on the defensive end. Uh, mm-hmm. Tommy, you mentioned him locking up Reggie Jackson a couple times on switches when you knew the Clippers were purposefully hunting out that matchup with Kuz, and then Reggie Jackson just malfunctioned whenever he he met Kuz. Um, and then, you know, the first quarter or so, um, Kawhi Leonard hit a couple jump shots on him, got to the free throw line on him, but that's Kawhi Leonard. And I think 
One of his shots, a three-point shot, bounced in. But for the most part after that, Kyle Kuzma like, was sliding his feet. He was beating his man to the spots in the paint and keeping his, keeping his stance grounded, not biting on every shot fake. Um, and most of all, I, he's, I, Kawhi's what, 6'8 or something? Kyle Kuzma yeah. looks like 6'10 compared to him or something. He looks much taller. <laughs> and I think just by virtue of Kyle Kuzma obviously being 6'9, 6'10 is a huge deterrent. But when you have a 6'9, 6'10 Kyle Kuzma actually moving his feet, extending his arms, giving his hustle, he had another seven rebounds tonight. I think he had seven rebounds in each of the scrimmage games as well, kind of continuing his streak of just you know, crashing the boards and just being that activity sort of dude on the uh, defensive end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just super proud of his performance tonight. And now I, I, I truly believe him when he said, the reason why my shot was all wonky the whole season and inconsistent was, you know, my ankle was banged up the entire season and I can never really get my footing underneath me. And if we look at back, we take it back to his Team USA performance, he was shooting like how he's been showing us this the two scrimmage games and this first game, you know, where it's pure, he's not hesitating, he's just letting it fly. Um, so yeah, I was very, very impressed with Kyle Kuzma tonight. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Kuzmania? Uh, we've really seen this guy develop so much over the course of this year. When he first started the season, I think all of us had such high hopes for him. We thought he was kind of going to have a breakout year because he was going to be able to play off of two superstars and it was going to make the game a lot easier for him. I think, you know, because of inj- a variety of reasons, I think number one, injuries. Number two, he's never played with two superstars before. You know, a lot of factors mm-hmm. contributed to him getting off to a very, very slow start. It took him a long time to figure out on a team of super experienced veterans, where does a 20, at the time, 24-year-old, you know, Kyle Kuzma fit in? And I think he just kind of floated for like 40 games, like seriously not really knowing where he stood. I think around the all-star break, we all noticed like around the trade deadline, certainly, you know, he started picking up the effort on the defensive glass, you know, the defensive energy started to pick up a lot more. Um, In the 10 games after the all-star game, Kuzma had the number one defensive rating on the entire team, which is crazy, you know, because we have guys like Caruso and AD obviously and, and, and stuff in Dwight and, and Kuzma was highest on that team um, in defensive rate, or I guess Lois is the better one for defensive rating, but um, he, he's figured out how to use that to like activate the rest of his game. So he comes in like wanting to play defense and now he's just becoming one of these annoying role players that LeBron always seems to have on his team. Who's like a kind of like a long wing who like a James Jones or something who could just like bother people on the perimeter, but then, you know, hit random threes and annoy the crap out of other teams. Um, Everything he gives us offensively at this point, and this is so crazy to say this, it's just icing on the cake. You know what I mean? He gives us so, such a nice look defensively with, you know, a wing who is at this time um, quicker on his feet defensively with LeBron. But certainly when you combine him, LeBron and AD in the front court, that is like some serious, like, you know, Lamar and Pau Gasol front court type vibes and Lamar and Odom, or sorry, Lamar and uh, Bynum. Lamar and type, Odom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lamar and Bynum type front courts where, where there's just so much. And then Ariza, you know, when we had all those length on those teams, it mm-hmm. feels like that sometimes. Like when those three guys are clicking at the same time defensively, 
it it works. And and the thing about Kuzma is he can actually handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. He's not doesn't seem to be afraid of the big moments. He can do things offensively, so he's not a liability on that end by any means. I I really like the look that we closed the game with today with Kuzma yeah. out there. Um and it's it's just been like fantastic to watch. I don't even care how many points he scores, like mm. he's playing so well defensively and he if he keeps that up, like that's gonna be huge for us. Yeah, and in a way, when we have LeBron James playing the defense that he played tonight, and then obviously Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma, like you just mentioned, yeah. it's almost like we approximate what the Clippers are doing on their end right, defensively right. with Paul George and Kawhi, except that closing lineup, it's hard to sort of, you know, match up hunt when you've got Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Kuzma out there kind of switching everything. Because Anthony Davis has shown that he can guard Kawhi and Paul George very effectively, and now Kuzma's your worst guy to have to switch on. And he's like literally keeping his feet down and just extending his arms and forcing you to pump fake multiple times. And if you're Kawhi Leonard, you'll get the foul call here and there. But, you know, any other player until we face the Clippers, that's going to bode well for us. And Kyle Kuzma is going to stop that dude more times than not. So, uh, yeah, Alan, what are your thoughts on Mr. Kyle Kuzma? Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest questions that we had coming in was, is he going to be able to maintain what he was doing prior to the hiatus? And clearly the answer is yes. And, uh, you know, for me, the question is, so what clicked for him? You know, why was it around the all-star break that um, he seemed to kind of figure things out on that end of the floor? And for sure, some of it, I think, is getting healthy. But we've seen him in previous seasons, you know, be pretty undisciplined uh, on the defensive end. And, I mean, it might sound kind of trite, but I feel like it's just maturity, right? It, mm-hmm. It's being more patient. It's uh, how many times have we kind of preached as like a coaching staff staying in the moment? Well, I think defensively that is huge, right? You're not trying to gamble and look ahead of what the guy you're guarding is doing. It's you need to be like right here, right now, and um, don't get too caught up in things, right? And for him, I feel like in that sense, the game is kind of slowing down. And the fact that uh, he has maintained that that discipline through everything that's happened over the last few months, uh, that's extremely encouraging, right? And um, like Tommy said, his mentality offensively, we've always known he's not going to shy away in big moments. And to know that defensively, he'll also be willing to step up, especially in the playoffs coming up. Um, I'm, I'm pretty freaking excited and I'm very optimistic that we're going to be able to rely on him in that way. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see anything in the way that he was shooting the ball differently? I felt this is the first time in a while where I felt like most of Kyle Kuzma's shots were going to go in. And I think it's because he's letting that ball fly from his fingertips really easily and smoothly. And he has a high arc now. And you could tell the moment he released most of his shots, he knew it was in, you know, and I knew it was in. So I was just like, this is the first time I was like, holy shit, Kyle Kuzma's back. Oh, no, yeah. It felt like his rookie season when he would just let it exactly. fly. Yeah, when everyone was saying he's going to be a Clay Thompson, right? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he had this crazy quick release, and, and yes. he would just let it fly, and he had really good arc, and it like it always felt like he was shot-putting it for, for like the seasons, you know, all the time since then, and... I don't know what happened, but I, you know, I, I mentioned it in the thread when when the game was happening. But I was like, he looks a little swaggy on some of these shots. Like they're not, <laughs> he's not trying to be like too academic and like you know purely. I have to jump straight up and straight down and square my shoulders. You know, like he he comes around to pick and he's like his feet land like he jumps forward and is shooting threes. Like he's like it, it's it looks a lot more casual and and uh, it, it looks really natural. I mean, he's doing a great job. 
Yeah, I agree. He had two really nice assists, one to a cutting uh, Alex Caruso, and then one whip bounce pass to Anthony Davis on the baseline for three. Um, Let's talk about Alex Caruso tonight because he had a pretty shaky first, maybe, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes, and Frank Vogel stuck with him. He ended up playing 27 minutes, was only two of seven from the field, uh, had seven points, but he came up big at the end. He had that coast-to-coast layup and then also had that was it he stole the ball and saved it in bounds or something like that or tipped the ball and um yeah he was huge down the stretch and you know for me I would have liked to have seen I I actually like that Frank Vogel trusted the dude gave him his shot and rode with him I think that's going to do a lot for his confidence but you could tell Alex Caruso was a little rattled tonight he's typically a very good free throw shooter but he was only three of six from the free throw line he wasn't hitting any of his jump shots or his three-point shots, even in spite of the fact that the game before this, I think he hit like three of four from three, right? Was four of six in that last scrimmage game against the Wizards. Um, so you could tell he had a little bit of butterflies in his stomach, but he brought it on the defensive end as we knew he would. He brought the hustle, and it that ended up paying off for us down the stretch. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more J.R. Smith in his place just because we desperately needed shooting. Um, but it ended up working for Frank Vogel and, and paying off for us. But uh, Alan, what are your thoughts on uh, Alex Caruso's performance tonight? Yeah, there are definitely times where I thought maybe we could insert JR for a few more minutes. But, you know, if you look at uh, what's going to be happening in the playoffs for us, one would think that Caruso is going to get the bulk of those minutes for what he brings to the floor. So like you said, I, I do think uh, Vogel wanted to boost his confidence level by leaving him out there and kind of sticking with him and having faith in him. Um, there were definitely a number of times, you know, you said the free throws and um, not being able to find a shot, even defensively earlier, right, in the game. He had his moments where it's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, he, he, looked, like old Kyle, yeah. he looked like Kyle Kuzma, right, where he's just, like, <laughs> doing too much. And That's I was true. watching Phil Handy on the bench just losing his shit, like, oh, for a solid, I don't know, like five or six minutes or something. He was... Maybe he maybe he wasn't barking at Alex Caruso, but from what I could see, it was Caruso who was you know making a lot of mistakes. And of course, like they're all mental on the defensive side of the ball. And um, you know, fortunately, I was expecting him to get pulled as well. And then Vogel left him in. And I thought, okay, like I think that's a pretty um, pretty clear like sign of confidence there. And uh, yeah, he stepped up at the end, so everything worked out. Hopefully, just going forward, these next few games, like you said, all the butterflies, all that anxiousness, and whatever um is is going to be gone so yeah it was up and down for sure but uh as long as it ends well you know all good exactly uh tommy do you have anything to say about mr ac um yeah i mean him falling asleep off the ball and then allowing a bunch of guys to i think like three or four times i noticed it and it just led to wide open threes and the clippers were raining it from three tonight i mean they shot 44 percent almost you know, six made 16 threes in this game. So you just can't do that kind of thing. Um, it's crazy because obviously Caruso is one of our better defenders, like as a team defender and as an on-ball defender. And these were just like the most basic level lapses. Um, so it's fine. You know, that's what these games are for. And that's why the guys need to play so they can get this out of their system now because you can't make mistakes like that in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Um the Lakers just need to find a way to hit their goddamn three-point shots because the last game in March, they only shot 28%. I, I think maybe the Christmas game is the only one where we probably shot a decent rate. I'm looking it up real quick right now. Well, the annoying thing is we miss a lot of wide-open ones. Yeah. yeah. 
Nope, the <laughs> like, Christmas one we shot 26%. Tonight. We were 26% yeah. on Christmas Day, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I thank God Kyle Kuzma's finding a shot. Obviously, Danny Green is going to shoot better. KCP is hopefully going to hit one. He's been one of the most reliable three-point shooters on this team. Yeah. Um, we might need to activate J.R. Smith, too, in case exactly. he's not going to get it together. Activate the Henny God. All right, let's close tonight's show by talking about the sixth man of the game, Mr. Bubble Cheese, Philly Cheese, Total Package, Dion Waiters. Tommy, <laughs> what were your thoughts on Dion Waiters? Uh, 5 of 10 from the field, 11 points. Boy, did he save our asses in that stretch in the third quarter when we were making that comeback. Because we were down by, like, 11 points, 11, 12 points. And yeah. Deion Waiters was the only one who, along with Anthony Davis, they were had this sort of two-man game where Anthony Davis would hit threes and Deion Waiters would take it straight to the paint and lay it in with his left hand and stuff and was just so aggressive, you know, rushing into the paint and putting pressure on the defense. And we ha- literally have no one else like that because not even LeBron James can do that because he knows yeah. he's going to get the ball stripped or he's going to get an offensive foul called on him. But Deion Waiters, with his sort of little chunky body still is somehow <laughs> <Chunky> able body. to <laughs> Jeez, he roll, dude. chunky dance <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> he's he's still very slithery when he gets into the lane and surprisingly very Slimey quick cheese. and fast <laughs> so oh his spin move that spin move that, that he was, had in that transition was that was nasty on zubats i called him spinny cheese. nasty cheese <laughs> Stanky cheese. Stanky cheese. Oh, that was beautiful. But he did most of his damage in that third quarter, really being aggressive, driving it into the paint. Um, Alan, what were your thoughts on Deion Waiters? Yeah, I mean, all of that, right? Like, he knows how to just kind of play within his bag, and that's what you're going to get from him. Um, He was super aggressive offensively, like you said, dude. I I don't really know what else to add other than um, it, it was good to see him continue to, like, be himself despite the fact that this is the first game of the restart this is essentially you might as well just say it's the first game for his entire season right his mm-hmm. little stint with miami this year hardly counted so uh the fact that you could just throw him in just like that and he can do his thing um it's going to be extremely valuable in the playoffs because there are going to be times when it's just the pace is really slow we're not going to be able to buy a bucket give it to him and again when was the last time we had a dude right that can do that just like an an other kind of person um mm-hmm. it's been it's been ages so uh yeah yeah man it's just, it's just freaking fun to watch him too right like take all that other stuff out he has a ball in his hands like oh crap like here we go like, let's see what happens and it's just fun yeah i there were a couple of times and i was like oh god here's what we were asking for because he wasn't hitting his three-point shots but he was taking them very liberally he took six of them i mean he hit that big one down the stretch which was huge um, but that's sort of the give and take with Dion Waiters, right? You have to love the confidence because he's never going to shy away from the moment. And tonight it paid off. Um, he hit the three when it counted the most. Um, but there were some ill-advised like pull-up, dribble, jump shots and threes that I was like, oh God, here we go. And I felt like he was pressing because he was on the floor with LeBron James most of the time. And usually he has the ball in his hands to get sort of a rhythm going, you know? Usually he's the one running the pick and rolls and he's able to go downhill. But every time, like, LeBron James is there, so he just has to stand on the perimeter. And by the time he finally gets the ball, there's probably, like, seven seconds left. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do a little swaggy P, Lance Stevenson dance, and then just hoist this up, you know? So um, I almost don't blame too much of his shot selection on him tonight just because he didn't get free reign or at least the free reign that I typically think he should have being the primary ball handler out there because he was relegated to being a 
a spot up shooter when LeBron was was there. I know it worked out here and there in the third quarter, like Tommy said, being that sort of release valve for LeBron James. But he needs to have more than you know one three minute stint where LeBron is off and he's on. You know, but otherwise, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Bubble Cheese? Uh, I thought he looked great. I agree with both of you guys. He's certainly the only guard we have. Um, like you know, LeBron is separate, but Deion Waiters is the only guard we have who can utilize screen and roll to get to the rim. He can finish with contact in the paint. He's like, I mean, like you said, he's kind of slithery. He can get his shot up around guys. I actually don't know how tall he is. Is he? Is he? He's is like he six like, three. He's not that tall. I don't think he's not that tall. I yeah, he's like six three. So it's pretty crazy for you know someone his size. And it's not like he's the most most athletic guy in the world, right? But he just knows how to get the ball up. And he's playing on a team with a lot of talent, and he has to do one very specific thing, and it happens to be his strong suit, you know, to the extent he hasn't worked out on some teams, it's maybe because he's overdone this, um, on teams that didn't necessarily need it. But I mean, a few years ago when he was, people were talking about him as being like one of the most improved players in the league and, uh, in the league for Miami, he was doing stuff like this for them, like every night, like taking games over, you know, completely. And we don't even need him to do that. But if you can approximate, something like that in a situation with a little bit less direct pressure just because he's playing with two other superstars and other guys who can do things offensively too. I I just think we've put him in such a good situation here. I think it's kind of like the Dwight Howard thing. Um, And I think we're going to get to see like the best version of waiters, but you know, the outside shot wasn't falling tonight, but he got to the rim. I think all five of his shots were like at the rim. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he had one jump right. Or yeah, one he had three like point one three shot, pointer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, if the three pointer falls occasionally, that's an added bonus. Um, he had two assists and no turnovers for how much he was handling the ball in 21 minutes. He was out there. That's, you know, no turnovers is great. Um, he actually, so a couple times he fell asleep off the ball too. I think once in the first half, um, that dude coffee came in and, you know, waiters like waiters clearly had no idea who he was because yeah. he just left him alone in the corner and didn't even try to contest it. And he hit a three. So that was annoying, but mm. I will say he had a lot of other strong closeouts, um, and and some solid instances of staying with his guy with his man on defense and if he can be like a neutral on defense um it, it he's going to have a place on this on this roster for sure well i think at least on this team he's the whole team tonight i felt like did a pretty good job rotating around and switching and at least closing out to shooters and whatnot obviously not in the third or fourth quarter when the clippers got hot but there were a couple of times when they got the clippers uh 24 second violations you know and i think Dion waiters right. was part of being able to rotate out to specific guys so i guess the more he gets acclimated to our schemes and at least knowing how that system works i think we should be okay and then the the plus he gives us on the other end and just being that stop gap to help us stem the tide offensively, I think is a huge overall in the aggregate. Uh, with that said, any last thoughts by anybody? Any plays that stood out or anything else? One like random that? thing I just looked up because we're talking about waiters. He apparently has a six, seven wingspan. I guess yeah. that kind of explains yep. why he's able to get those shots up around mm-hmm. the rim. But that's, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive for a six, three guy. It sure is. All right. Alan, anything, any last words or anything? Uh, nah, dude. It's just, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. 
I totally agree. Uh, the Lakers play next against the Raptors on Saturday? Saturday, Saturday like I believe. five or something. Yeah, so looking forward to seeing Siakam and uh, who else oh, is on God, that team? so good, dude. Kyle Lowry. Like, they play hard. Oh, shoot. Yeah, this is a tough... I forgot how tough this schedule was. They beat us last time, yeah. Yeah, that was an annoying loss at home. So this will definitely be a good, fine tune-up uh, primer for the Lakers. And so far, they've come away with the win, and they played hard. Um, Lou Will and Montrez weren't on... I was about to say Montrezel again. <laughs> Montrezel. <laughs> Montrezel. <laughs> Lou, Will, Lou Will and Montrez were at the strip club. Just kidding. They weren't They weren't playing tonight. Um, actually, I, think, I shouldn't joke about that. I think Trez is away on a leave of absence or whatever. Hope everything is good with him. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the Lakers did what they had to do with the cards that they were dealt. So good job, everybody. They still shot like shit from the field and from the three-point line. So there's definitely still room for improvement. We welcome KCP and Danny Green the next game to just show up and be a little bit more solid than they were tonight. But overall, thank God for Anthony Davis. Thank God for LeBron James. Thank God for Kyle Kuzma. And thank God for Bubble Cheese. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. And uh, the Lakers are back. Wee. Back. Away. Away. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing a like a John Mulaney bit or whatever because he likes to do that voice that Tommy just did. Wee. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know where this went. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Uh, rate and review us five stars on iTunes and follow and subscribe. You can't follow our YouTube page, but you can subscribe to our YouTube page. And with that said, the Lakers are at 50 wins, uh, seven more seeding games to go. Uh, Alan, Tommy, I will catch you guys later. Oh, boy. Later. Orlando, everybody. <laughs>
When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.